be in the book of Luke, chapter 13. I don't have a long message today anyway, so if you'll give me about 20, 25 minutes, I'll have you back in the altar. But I believe the Lord has a word for us today. Luke, chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, and I'm going to be reading. uh, I'm actually reading from the Amplified Version. They've got the Amplified Classic on the screen, so I may deviate just a little bit from what you see there. Now, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And there was a woman who for 18 years had had an illness caused by a spirit or a demon. She had an illness caused by a demon. She was bent double and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are released from your illness. Then he laid his hands on her. We've been doing that this morning. And immediately she stood erect again and began glorifying and praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd in response, There are six days in which work ought to be done. So come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord replied to him, You hypocrites, play actors, pretenders. Does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? And this woman, a daughter, a descendant of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he was saying this, all his opponents were being humiliated. And the entire crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things that were being done by him. I want to preach to you for a few moments today a message I've just simply titled, Breaking Free. Breaking free. If you will, pray with me and for me one more time. Father, thank you for your presence. It's been here so wonderfully already. Thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, for the next few moments that you would remove every distraction and hindrance that would prohibit us from hearing and receiving what you want to speak to us today. Lord, I pray you'd move me out of the way that your Holy Spirit may be increased within me and I would not speak with enticing words of men's wisdom, but that I would speak your word today and that it would come forth in the demonstration of your spirit and with power. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what you would speak to us this day. And we'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for being in your presence and being changed by your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. As everybody knows, this Tuesday will be July the 4th, otherwise known as Independence Day, which is a federal holiday in the United States since 1941. But the tradition of Independence Day celebrations goes back to the 18th century and the American Revolution. On July the 2nd, 1776, the Continental Congress voted in favor of independence from Great Britain. And two days later, delegates from the 13 colonies adopted what we know as the Declaration of Independence, a historic document that was drafted by Thomas Jefferson. And from 1776 to this present day, July the 4th has been celebrated as the birth of American independence. Our freedom and our liberty. That's what we celebrate. Merriam-Webster defines the word liberty as the quality or state of being free. The power to do as one pleases. Freedom from physical restraint. And freedom from arbitrary or despotic control. It was Patrick Henry, for those of you that are history buffs in the room today, who said, Give me liberty... 
or give me. Any of y'all go to school? I heard some of you say it. Give me liberty or give me death. Life without liberty, life without freedom is not worth living. Can I get a witness this morning? Christ came, I'm going to flip this now to talk about our freedom. Christ came to bring salvation, which means deliverance and freedom. Jesus said himself in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19 in the Good News translation, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has chosen me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty. Say liberty. Liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed and announce that the time has come when the Lord will save his people. And then we find in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, in the New Living Translation, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. Remember, we were talking about believing this morning. You are truly my disciples if, say if, There's another one of those conditions in the Word of God. If you remain faithful to my teachings, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Somebody say, praise the Lord. The Apostle Paul declares in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God wills for his people to be free. Even in the Old Testament under the law, we find it recorded in Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1. After this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. It's God's will for us to be free. If y'all help me preach, it'll go quicker. But how many knows that sometimes, however, all of us can find ourselves in bondage? We need to learn to do what this book says, and that is stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. But now listen, not to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. See, that's a problem in the church today. People get set free, but then they want to go back and play with what they get set free from. And when you go back and play with it again, if you're not careful, you're going to be entangled, wrapped up, tied up, tangled all up, not in Jesus, but in bondage. And Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure, you make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Now from unbelievers to even to born again believers, we are all susceptible to bondage. Spiritual bondage to sin or demonic oppression. You don't have to be possessed with the devil to be oppressed by the devil. Emotional bondage to depression and anxiety 
feelings of fear and worthlessness. Can I get a witness this morning? I've never seen a time in my life any worse than the day and the age that we live in. Emotional bondage. Financial bondage. Going out and signing on the dotted line. Just because somebody tells you you qualified and you can have it. Don't mean you can really afford it. Can I get a witness? Don't mean you should really buy it. Relational bondage. This is a big one. Not being able to get free from toxic relationships. If it's toxic to your relationship with Jesus, you need to cut it off. Physical bondage. To addiction. Now we live in a drug epidemic where people are addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol. But there's some of us up in the church that don't battle drugs and alcohol, but we're addicted to other things. People get real quiet when you start to preach on this. Some of us are addicted to overeating. Some of us are addicted to other substances besides drugs and alcohol. Some of us are addicted to things that get in between us and God. Some of us are addicted to making money. So much that we prioritize it. Over our relationship with God. Now here's where y'all going to get real quiet. And I'm going to lose everybody in the church. Some of us are addicted to making professional athletes out of our kids that we never were. There ain't a thing wrong with ball. Can I get a witness? There ain't a thing wrong with sports. It'll teach you teamwork. Teamwork makes the dream work. But there is something wrong when you are addicted to it to the point that it interrupts your relationship with God. That's physical bondage to addiction. And then, here's another one i got to touch on quickly. Religious bondage to legalism and or tradition. That's bondage. There's a song around here they sing. You know what it says? Whatever it looks like. Whatever it sounds like. Come, Lord Jesus. Whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like. Listen, somebody might would say, I, I like this, I don't like that. I, 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 like, I've got, I pray, prefer this, I don't prefer that. Here's what I say. When we're six months into the year, And we've seen over 60 people saved or rededicate their life to Jesus. 71 people joined the church. 26 people baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. When we've seen people set free from addiction and delivered, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. It don't have to make me happy. It don't have to make anybody else happy. As long as God is pleased with it. Religious bondage to legalism and tradition. 
And our mission in the world as the church should be to set the captive free. We're to go into this world as Moses did and say, let my people go. The prophetic word of God will set people free. So today, we've, the story I read to you, I'm just going to hit three points on it. A story of Jesus bringing liberty to this woman who was in bondage. And according to Luke 13 and 11, she had an illness, the word said, that was caused by a spirit or a demon that she suffered from for 18 long years. And this is a story of freedom that focuses on three different people. That's what we're going to talk about quickly. Number one, the woman who couldn't straighten up. Number two, the synagogue ruler who was bent out of shape. And number three, Jesus the Messiah who can set them both free. The woman who couldn't straighten up. The King James Version said that she had a spirit of infirmity. The Greek word that was used here was asthenia. And that word means a state of debilitating illness. Luke, who was a physician, wrote this gospel. He said she was bent over and she couldn't straighten up at all. She had a form of curvature of the spine, but she was like the hunchback of Notre Dame. She had a spirit that would not allow her to straighten up. Can I tell you today, that's a physical infirmity. But there's a lot of people in the world today that have a spirit that will not allow them to straighten up spiritually. Can I get a witness? And Jesus announced that she was to be loosed from that infirmity. And then he touched her. And when he touched her, she straightened up. When folks are in bondage, church, hear me this morning. They cannot straighten up on their own. People can tell them to straighten up all day long, all they want to. But sometimes they just can't straighten up by themselves. Sometimes they need help. And that's where the church is supposed to come in. Romans chapter 15 and verse 1 said, Now we who are strong in our convictions and our our robust faith ought to bear with the failings and the frailties and the tender scruples of the weak. We ought to help carry the doubts and the qualms of others. Watch this. And not to what? Please ourselves. A pastor gave up the ministry after 20 years to become a funeral director. And when asked why he made the change, he said, Well, I spent about 12 years trying to straighten out Jim. He never did get straightened out. I spent 14 months trying to straighten out the marriage of the Smiths. It never did get straightened out. I spent three years trying to straighten out Susie. She never did get straightened out. But now, when I straighten people out, They stay that way. Sometimes people can't straighten up on their own. Secondly, I'm going to move through these quickly. The synagogue ruler who got bent out of shape. This man was tore all to pieces. Now, you've got to hear my message the way I've typed it today and then put what just happened in this service with that, okay? This man was tore all to pieces that Jesus healed this woman on the Sabbath. Here's what I had in my notes. You know, one of those people who can't stand it when we don't stick to the program or the order of service. 
one of those people who think that church is always supposed to happen the same exact way, on the same exact time schedule, every time we meet. God forbid that we don't make room for the Holy Ghost to show up and mess up our plans and our agenda. I'm not one of those people. Let me be real frank with you. I don't like it when it's church as usual. When we just come and nothing happens. There will be those, that will happen at times. But can I tell you, our programs, our agendas, our ideas are the way that we hinder revival in the church today. When revival is taking place, when souls are being saved, when lives are being changed, when growth is happening and the kingdom of God is expanding, we need to keep our hands out of it as much as possible so that God will keep his hands on it. But this synagogue ruler didn't feel that way. He was indignant over Jesus' healing on the Sabbath. Why? A few reasons. Number one, he forgot the mission of the church. He was upset about religious tradition being violated instead of being concerned for this woman's suffering. He had become so wrapped up in the formalities of the church that he had totally forgotten the mission of the church. Some years ago, a Christian organization disbanded and it closed its office. And on the door, they placed a note. We forgot what our mission was. God help us. That we don't ever get so focused on things, anything, that don't really matter, that we forget what our mission is. This church is here to see the lost, the backslidden, the addicted, the fornicator, the prostitute, the alcoholic, saved, delivered, Healed, the sick healed. This church is here to see lives changed by the power of God. Secondly, the other reason was because he treasured tradition over truth. He was one of those people that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 15 and 8. Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He even quoted scripture this synagogue ruler quoted scripture to back up his position. Luke 13 and 14 in our text, he said, But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd in response, There are six days in which work ought to be done, so come on those days and be healed, not on the Sabbath day. He was making reference to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. This guy thought he had arrived. He was so sure of himself that he tried to use the word of God against Jesus. Listen to me, church. It is one thing to quote scripture, but it's another thing to apply it accurately. You can take scripture and make it say anything you want it to say if you don't apply it accurately. He didn't have the courage 
to rebuke Jesus face to face, so he directed his marks toward the crowd. And the rabbis made the Sabbath just this bundle of rules. But Christ interpreted the Scripture through the law of love. The book of Mark tells us the Sabbath was made for us and not us for the Sabbath. The seventh day might be our day of rest according to Scripture, but it's also God's day to do what God wants to do. It's also a day we should set aside, if at all possible, for the purpose of worshiping God. It's one thing if we have to work, but I'm going to preach where we're living. It's another thing if we're on vacation. That's all right, too. But it's another thing if we're constantly making something else a priority than the house of God. And then we wonder why our kids are struggling. Jesus, first of all, as a matter of fact, God can work anytime, any place, any way that he wants to. He doesn't need our approval. He doesn't need my approval. Jesus confronted the hypocritical actions of continually sanctioning, breaking the Sabbath for the benefit of one of their animals, but not the benefit of this daughter of Abraham. They were valuing an animal that they'd go feed and water more than they were her getting her need met. See, that's because their compassion was conditional, selective, and self-centered. Can I tell you, that's where a lot of people get today in the church. Their compassion becomes conditional, selective, and self-centered. And the synagogue ruler said, there's six days on which people can be healed. How many healings do you think happened in that synagogue? Do you think this woman could have come back the next day and been healed? No. Because Jesus wasn't there that day. We've got to move with Jesus when he shows up. And I would guess that that woman was probably a regular at this synagogue because there's Little to suggest that she was offered sympathy, let alone healing, in 18 long years. How could the ruler of the synagogue have the audacity to imply that healing would be available some other time? He's a picture, a perfect picture of many of our modern day churches. We have become so systematic and programmatic. Can I get a witness? We place God in this little box and we give him a time schedule and an order. And then we come into the church and we do our thing and we expect him to move only within the confines of that box. But listen to me this morning. That's where we miss the mark. If we want a true move of God, we got to learn how to get in when the water gets troubled. Can I get a witness this morning? We want a true move of God, we got to learn how to flow when the Spirit of the Lord starts moving. God doesn't work on our time schedules, but when he shows up, when he's in the house... It's time for us to step aside and let him have his way. The third thing about that synagogue ruler, and then I'll move to, to Jesus, and we'll get in the altar. That synagogue ruler had a form of godliness, but no power. Paul told Timothy, when you see those, turn away. From such, turn away. He was faithful to the synagogue. He quoted the scripture. He actually preached from the word. But... He had no power. The shame of which Luke speaks in this passage doesn't mean that Jesus' adversaries felt shame, but that the emptiness of their religion was revealed to all the people. 
And that's why the people praised God when the Lord showed up. We need God's presence and His power. Thirdly, the Messiah who frees us from bondage. Listen, He was bound to that cross so that you and I don't any longer have to be bound. Isaiah 53 and 5, I quoted it earlier. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we, what? Are healed. What is it that sets people free? I'll tell you what it is. It's the ministry of the word. The spirit of God and the ministry of the word. Biblical teaching brings insight It brings discernment, and it brings knowledge into our circumstances. This miracle occurred. This miracle we're talking about today occurred, the Bible said, while Jesus was teaching. Jesus' teaching was different from the legalistic teaching that kept the woman in bondage. The synagogue ruler was bound in legalism that kept people in bondage. He was present in the atmosphere of grace, but he didn't know how to benefit from grace. He resisted grace For his tradition, God help us to teach and preach more like Jesus. Matthew 7 and 29 tells us Jesus taught with authority when he taught. Paul said in Romans 1 that the gospel of Christ was the power of God to salvation. Jesus taught and preached with authority and power. God help us that our preaching is not just... Something that tickles the ears of the people. Are you with me? That they leave this place and go out into the world thinking they're okay. I'm almost ready to close, but I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I found out week before last that I was a little too harsh. I was a little too harsh. I speak the truth, but I don't speak the truth in love. We've come to a place today that where we can't digest truth and know the difference between truth and hate. Just because it's the truth of the Word of God doesn't mean that I hate those that do it. Doesn't mean that I won't welcome. Well, listen, we all got sin up in here, people. Come on now. Ain't none of us righteous. No, not one. So, yes, I'll welcome them with open arms. I'll hug them. I'll love on them. But I will never, hear me well, stand in a pulpit and preach In a way that makes them feel like their sin is going to enter heaven. I refuse. I refuse. I love them. Nicholas, you can go ahead and come to the music. My heart breaks when I even think about this. Angie and I drove to Lexington and back yesterday. And I'm going to get emotional. I didn't even plan this. It wasn't even in my notes. But we watched a video of a young man from Corbin, raised in a fine Christian home, wonderful Baptist parents, faithful people that love the Lord. 
You know what the video was for? It was a promotional video for a large church in Nashville. This young man is so talented. So talented. Used to use his gifts in the local church right here in Corbin for the Lord. And he's still using his gifts and talents. But it was a promotional video for a large church in Nashville that has affirmed him and celebrated him as an openly gay man in the ministry. I don't know what that does to you, but it breaks my heart. Not because they love him, not because they welcome him, but because they tell him that it's okay to live that lifestyle and call yourself a minister. God help us if we are more concerned about building flamboyant churches, beautiful architecture, and drawing crowds of people, but we're not concerned that we're leading them astray and on their way to hell. Somebody says, I feel it this morning already. Pastor, you're too hard. Listen, I'm not too hard. Can I just share this with you? I'll just share this with you. I'm leaving my notes now. I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish with what the Lord wants me to finish with. Renata, you don't have this one, so don't worry. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses, or chapter 6, I'm sorry, verses 9 and 10. In the Amplified Classic Bible says, Do you not know that the unrighteous and wrongdoers will not inherit or have any share? Any share. This isn't my word, folks. It's God's word in the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived or misled. Neither the impure. That covers many things, including fornication, which is sex before marriage. Boy, y'all quiet today. Uh Uh-huh. Or the immoral, nor idolaters. That's people who put other things before God. Anything you put before God in your life is an idol. Nor adulterers. That's people that have sex with married people. If you got your kids in here, we've got kids church. This is rated PG-13. Nor those, it's not my word. It don't make me a hater. Nor those who participate in homosexuality. People who have sex with others of the same sex or gender. Nor cheats. See, I've just covered some of the sin that you get accused of being a hater over. Now I'm going to cover some of the sin that sits on the pew every Sunday. Hello. Nor cheats, swindlers or thieves, nor greedy graspers. That's what the word says in the Amplified Classic. That's people who are dishonest 
with their money. Nor drunkards. Oh boy, there he goes. Can't have my beer on Tuesday. Listen, I'm not going to tell you if they're watching me in Cleveland right now, they might. First of all, let me say this. Well, I don't know. They might take my license and close the church with what I'm going to say. But in the church of God, we do practice abstinence from alcohol as a beverage. I'll preface it with that. That's what we practice in the church of God. I'm not going to tell you that I can find a scripture. Because I get it all the time. People ask me. I'd rather cover it. Somebody says, why are you covering that here? I'd rather cover it here than cover it 47 times. With individual inquiries. Not that I mind. Not that I mind. When you message me, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I get this a lot. I get it a lot. I'm not going to tell you I find a scripture that says, you take a drink of alcohol and you're lost and on your way to hell. I cannot find that in this book. But I can tell you that right here, what I just read to you, it says, nor drunkards. Somebody says, well, how do you define drunkard? How many do I, I've got this question before. How many do I have to drink before I'm considered a drunkard? I got one question for you. How many men do I have to kiss in the mouth before you call me a homosexual? I can promise you one thing. You'll never call me that. There's a lot of sin in this Bible that's documented, but you'll never find me doing that one. If you do... You can rest assured I've done lost my ever-loving mind and somebody shoot me and put me and them out of our misery. Listen to me. Nor drunkards. Now this one, this one's touchy. You're going to have to define it yourself. Nor foul-mouthed revilers. Everybody be wearing their t-shirt. I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Nor slanderers nor extortioners and robbers will inherit or have any share in the kingdom of God. It's not my words. It's the book. It's what the book said. But I'm going to close with the good news. You want to be free? You want to break free? Let me close with the good news this morning. Verse 11 says, And such some of you were. Mm, Did you catch that? And such some of you were. But you were washed clean. You were purified by a complete atonement for sin. Watch this. And made free. Free from the guilt of sin. And you were consecrated, set apart, hallowed. And you were justified, pronounced righteous by trusting in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of our God. That's the good news today. You want to be set free? Stand with me all over the room. Jesus will set you free. Two scriptures and I'm closing. John chapter 1 and verse 12. Jesus, the word said, but as many... As did receive and welcome him, 
He gave the right, the authority, the privilege to become the children of God. That is to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on His name. Last scripture, Romans 8, verses 14 through 17. For all who are allowing themselves, you've got to allow yourself to be led by the Spirit of God, are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, the spirit producing sonship by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself teaches and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are children of God. And if we are His children, then we are His heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing His spiritual blessing and inheritance. If indeed we share in his suffering so that we may also share in his glory. Listen, every head bowed and every eye closed all over this room today. If you're going to break free from whatever it is that you may be battling, you're going to have to admit that we have a spiritual problem with a spiritual cause that requires a spiritual solution. You're going to have to forget about those that think they can control things and get bent out of shape like this synagogue ruler. We're going to have to press past all the garbage of church as usual until we get in the very presence of Jesus the Messiah who frees from bondage. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There is freedom. I'm with Patrick Henry. Give me liberty or give me death. Only when I say that, I mean I'd rather live apart. I'd rather die than to live apart from the presence of God. I need Him. I need to be in His presence. Synagogue rulers may fail me, hear me, but Jesus has never failed me. And just one touch from His hand, just one word spoken from His mouth, just one moment in His presence can set you free from everything that has you bound. Man alone could not set us free if they ministered to us for 18 long years but if we can just get to Jesus whoo, I feel the Lord when I say that if we can just get to Jesus He can and will set us free I know we've already prayed today but they're going to sing and I'm going to open this altar I don't know what you may need to be freed from you may, be, you may not even be where you need to be with the Lord today I want to tell you He can set you free I said he can set you free. If you've never accepted Jesus, there's a room full of people right now that will testify with me. Jesus Christ will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. But you've got to make that decision today. And all the rest of us, probably almost everybody in this room could say there's something I need to be free from. They're going to sing. This altar's open. The question's simply this. Anybody want to be free today? Come and find a place. And let's pray and ask God to set free.